to his name, glory to his name, glory to his name. <laughs> glory to the name of our God, glory to the name of our God. Blessed be the name of the Lord our God. We thank you, precious Jesus. We thank you, precious Jesus. It's so good to see Brother Mike Kelly. God bless you, my friend. Good to see you. Amen. Let's give all of our praise team and musicians and worship leaders a great big hand. God bless them. Hallelujah. I feel the anointing of the Lord in this place. From the book of Nehemiah and the second chapter, the book of Nehemiah and the second chapter, I want to begin reading from the first verse of Nehemiah chapter 2. And I want to say also, we had such a wonderful start to the year of 2017 where we were able to come and pray to God together throughout the week. How many enjoyed that? God bless you. Amen. And it set a good tone as you can feel. How many feel it? This, this, this is prayer. This is what prayer does. This didn't happen just because we all wandered up in here and started playing some instruments and singing some songs. This is what prayer does to the atmosphere. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. The word has free course this morning. And uh, we want to say also that this week that the church will be available for prayer each evening but Wednesday. We'll be having midweek service. But each evening... Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday from 5 to 8 p.m. If you want to come and pray. I know many weren't able to make it during the noon hour this uh, first week of January. But if you are available and would like to come and pray somewhere between the hours of 5 and 8 p.m., the church will be available for you to come and pray unto the Lord. Hallelujah. I think we just need to keep on praying. Why don't we just pray until something happens? we just pray till the walls come down glory why don't we just pray until God shows up with his mighty hand and his stretched out arm oh blessed be his name it's so good to be home amen I thank God for our wonderful ministry staff that is always so good and powerful in their preaching and teaching let's give all of our ministers a great big hand God bless them amen we are blessed people to have the ministers that we have and all of the wonderful laborers for the Lord who see to it that the work of God is being accomplished and we welcome you today if this is your first time to First Apostolic Church this uh, this is the only time you come as a guest after that we just claim you and make you part of the family so so uh, we welcome you and are delighted that you are here this morning I'm glad Jesus is in the place I'm glad the power of God is in this building from the book of Nehemiah and the second chapter, beginning with the first verse. It came to pass in the month Nisan, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes the king, that wine was before him. And I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad? seeing thou art not sick. This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was very sore afraid and said unto the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulchers, lieth waste and the gates thereof are consumed with fire. Then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. So I prayed to the God of heaven. The king said, What would your request be? So before I spoke a word to the king, I prayed to the God of heaven. And then I said unto the king, If it pleased the king, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me unto Judah. Oh, hallelujah. Send me unto Judah 
unto the city of my father's sepulchres that I may build it. And the king said unto me, the queen also sitting by him, for how long shall thy journey be and when thou wilt thou return? So it pleased the king to send me and I set him a time by the help of the Holy Ghost this morning. I would like to preach just a very simple message entitled, Rebuild It. Rebuild It. Why don't you look at your neighbor and tell him it's rebuilding time. Oh, hallelujah. Let's go to the Lord together in prayer. Why don't you lift your voice? Everybody, from side to side, from front to back, just lift your voice unto the Lord and give him praise tonight today. Let's give him praise. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. Have your way today. Lord, let your word and your spirit have free course in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, we bless you. We praise you. We need you. We love you. We love you because you first loved us. And we thank you for your mighty power. And we release you into this atmosphere. Oh, Lord Jesus Christ. We give you praise in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you. When a, pardon the sports reference, but when a sports fan hears somebody in upper management of their favorite sports franchise say, it is a rebuilding year. They dread those words. Some of the worst words they could ever hear from their favorite team. Well, it's a rebuilding year. That basically means it's going to be a long year for the fans and for the team. It's not going to be easy. There's going to be a lot of ups and downs, a lot of hills and valleys, mostly valleys. Uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, L's piling up in the loss column. Very few wins. There's very, going to be very little to shout about because it's a rebuilding year. There's going to be low ticket sales because it's a rebuilding year. It is going to be a lot of criticism because it's a rebuilding year. For many, it just like take the year off. Don't even worry about it. Just hope they make the right choices and come back next year because it's a, a rebuilding year. Rebuilding is difficult and, and it, it can be necessary. In fact, it can be necessary many times over. Throughout the history of a particular entity, the lifespan of a particular entity. Many times a business will have to undergo rebuilding. And often it involves rebranding. Often it involves revamping. Often it involves re-energizing, revitalizing. And it becomes necessary. Many times... This is necessary because there have been certain factors that have played a role in bringing down what once was. In the sports analogy, the effects of age have an impact upon a team. You can look at a player when he's in his prime or when he's ascending to his prime and you can say, man, there's a lot of potential there. And then you can see them when they're in their prime and you can say they're unstoppable, unbeatable, nobody like them. And then you see them on that painful decline and you wonder, what in the world happened? Where'd they go? Age has an impact. Injury has an impact. Upon a particular, in the sports analogy, Injury is one of those horrible things in a sports analogy because, because here you have perhaps a, a dynamite athlete who has excelled and surpassed expectation. 
and is laying waste to his challengers. And, and then, of course, in just, just one wrong turn, one tweak of the ankle, just one landing on the foot the wrong way, a whole season can be, be pushed aside and everybody's looking to a rebuilding year. It's painful for that athlete. It's painful for the fan base. It's, it's just a really difficult thing for people who have their hopes placed in that. And so rebuilding can be challenging. Rebuilding, though, is necessary. You can't stay defeated. You can't remain in a position of moping and loathing. You can't remain in a position of, of imagining what it could have been, what it would have been. You have to rebuild. You have to come away from that painful and disappointing set of circumstances, as challenging as they may be, and say, I have to look now to the future. I can hear the Apostle Paul say it this way, forgetting those things which are behind me, reaching forth unto those things which are before me. I press. I want to preach to some folks today who maybe have lost your press. Maybe you have lost the energy to press. You've lost the desire to press. You've been pressing. You've been pushing. You've been hoping. You've been dreaming. You've been believing. And now, a rebuilding year awaits you. You've been training, practicing, trying, persevering, winning. And all of a sudden, an injury comes. All of a sudden, a, an unforeseen circumstance arises in your life. Maybe you did see it coming, but were helpless to prevent it. Maybe you did see it coming, could have prevented it, but made wrong choices. And now here you are. Whatever your case may be, God sent me to preach people, preach to people who are facing rebuilding in their lives. One of the challenges with rebuilding is that it just, it's so hard to rebuild something. It's actually harder to rebuild something than it is to build something. Because you put blood in building it. Sweat and tears were invested in building it. You worked hard. You tried your best and experienced some good things. And the path that you had hoped would be the correct path turned out to be a dead end road. And here you are. You got to rebuild something. And perhaps you're faced with the question, should I? Should I rebuild anything? It's really easy to get lost in thinking that your best days are behind you. That there's nothing worth living for now. How many thought that 10 years ago? 5 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. Thank God you didn't stay in that position or we wouldn't even know you today. You've got a lot to live for. And I'm going to tell you something about the Christian. Let me tell you something about the Christian whose hope is in eternal life. Let me tell you something about the born-again believer whose hope is not in this world but has a hope beyond this world. Let me tell you something about that believer. Your best days are never behind you. Ever. Ever. That cannot be said of one individual who is making heaven their home. Your best days are always, whoo, glory. Oh, I wish I could preach to you for a little while about the land of the unclouded day. I wish I could preach to you for a little while about that path of the just that shines more and more unto the perfect day. 
Because your best days are always ahead of you when walking with the Lord. Nehemiah, though, was faced with a, a just a, a, an insurmountable prospect, if you please. The whole idea of rebuilding, I don't even know that it really dawned on him at the time. I think he had to take it step by step, prayer by prayer, faith by faith, word of God to word of God. Just had to lean on the Lord. You know, I love when you, see, that's the thing, when you lean on the Lord, the Lord directs your steps. It's kind of like you lean against the wall, the wall will just stay there. But with the Lord, he kind of gives a little bit and begins to lead you in the right direction. Just lean on him and he'll start moving around and you'll start moving where you need to be. Because you're trusting in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not to thine own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Nehemiah faced a very difficult set of circumstances. He received word about his homeland, the city of his father's sepulchers. He asked about those who were still in captivity. He asked Hanani, one of his brethren, who came, and certain men of Judah. And he asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity. And I asked concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant that are left of the captivity because they had high hopes for those folks. Those folks that were able to resist the onslaught of invasion. They had hoped that maybe, just maybe, there might be something to come of that resistance. So I asked about the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the remnant who escaped captivity. But the word that he received was the remnant in the province are in great affliction. They're in great reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down. And the gates thereof are burned with fire. I don't know if you've ever received a report like that. But I imagine you have. Maybe when you had high hopes. The report comes back to you that there are no good things to hope for. I don't know if you've ever received such a destructive and damaging word from somebody when you were believing for something good to come about but instead of hearing a good report you heard the worst possible report the remnant is devastated the remnant is afflicted and under reproach the walls of the city are broken down the gates thereof are burned with fire when Nehemiah heard these words, it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down. This is what we do sometimes. Whatever we're doing, doesn't matter what we're doing. When we hear a word from somebody that, that confirms our worst fears, we sit down. We could be involved in the most noble work imaginable, but when... That negative report enters our hearing. Many times it has an effect on us where we, we sit down. And I'm going to preach to those who are just sitting down, wore out, injured by the report that you've heard. It came to pass when I heard these things, I sat down, and we all know what this feels like, and I wept. I wept. And he went on and said, and I mourned, not just for a little bit, for certain days. I wept, I sat down, and I mourned for certain days, and I fasted. Now that's great, but I, don't, I can't tell if he was fasting because he was trying to get a hold of God or if he was fasting because he lost his appetite. You know a bad report can do that to you. Anybody ever been there before when you just didn't even want to eat anything? Nothing looked good, sounded good. It was, there was such a trauma to your body, such a trauma to your being that not even your appetite was, was acting the way it's supposed to. That's when you know something's wrong. You know what I'm talking about. You passing by Skyline, Gold Star, Graders, and there's not even a temptation. The roses... And everything that used to have a hold on you doesn't have a hold on you anymore. You know something's bad, bad wrong. 
But then he did something, ladies and gentlemen, that, that you have to do if you're here today and you're facing anything remotely close to what Nehemiah faced. He prayed before the God of heaven. I'm going to read to you his prayer. He said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant which I pray before thee now, day and night. Hallelujah. Day and night pray this prayer to God for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandments nor the statutes nor the judgments which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Do you see what he's doing with his prayer? When he comes to God in prayer, he's not just saying, God, help me out of this mess and help us out of this mess. He's confessing on behalf of his people. Lord, we have sinned against you. We have not kept your commandments. We have not kept your statutes. We have not kept your judgments. I and my father's house and all of Israel, none of us, Lord, are where we need to be. Remember, I beseech thee, the word you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if you turn unto me, and keep my commandments and do them though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of the heaven yet will I gather them from thence and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there now these are thy servants and thy people whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand O Lord I beseech thee let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper. I pray thee, thy servant, this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. For I was the king's cupbearer. This is the prayer that Nehemiah prayed. And this is the message I want to bring to somebody this morning. If you'll turn unto him, keep his commandments and do them. Everybody in this house understands the one thing that God has required of you that you will not release to him. I don't have to go person to person. I wouldn't be able to if I did and discern what each person needs to give up. But you know because God has spoken to your soul. God has convicted your heart. Something you're holding on to that you won't release to the Lord. But God tells you today, if you'll release it unto me, I will empower you to rebuild those things that the enemy has destroyed. I will empower you. Hallelujah. To rebuild those things the enemy has burnt with fire. I will empower you, hallelujah, to rise up despite your loss of energy, despite your lack of desire, despite your loss of focus, despite your lack of hope. I will empower you to rise up and rebuild what the enemy has destroyed in your life. I need to remind somebody, the enemy can't destroy what God has promised. The enemy can't defeat what God has given victory. The enemy, I don't care what it looks like, your gates can be burned with fire and your city can be destroyed and everybody can be, can be under reproach and in affliction all around you. But if God said, this is my city and my name will be there forever, that's the word of God the Lord and it is true it's the word of the Lord and it is true hallelujah he walked into the king's chamber and he was sad he said I was never sad before there was never a time that I walked into the king's chamber and was sad how many of us can say that about going to work each day some folks think it's it's, it's strange when we're smiling we walk into work with a, a, a smile and they said, what happened to you? Lord, Lord, forgive us. Lord, help us. 
deliver us from that downcast countenance. My goodness, ladies and gentlemen, if anybody's got a reason to smile, it's the child of God. If anybody's got a reason to rejoice, it's the child of God. He brought us out of darkness. Hallelujah. He placed us into his marvelous light. He set my feet on straight street. Got me going right. He's a great king doing great things. I've got a reason to rejoice. Hallelujah. It ought to catch everybody off guard when I don't have joy. Nehemiah, now listen. Nehemiah sat down. He wept. He mourned. He couldn't or wouldn't eat, but he prayed. And in his prayer, he laid a foundation for God to do something great for Jerusalem, for Israel, and through him. Listen, I don't know what you're up against, but you don't, don't underestimate what God can do through you for your circumstances. I don't know if you're mourning right now, but I've come to interrupt the little mourn session you've got going on and tell you God can do something through you for your family. God can do something through you for your work environment. Hallelujah. Oh, I you know what? I can feel the word of God landed in somebody's soul. God can do something through you. Ah, so if you've got to weep, weep, but weeping may endure for a night. I love the way the Bible says that. It doesn't say weeping can endure for a night because weeping can endure for as long as you want weeping to endure. But he said weeping may endure. In other words, he's giving weeping permission to endure for a night. Weeping is allowed to endure for a night. But when the sun begins to rise, dry it up because joy comes in the morning. Somebody needs to dry it up today. I said somebody needs to dry it up and recognize joy has come. Joy has come. Peace has come. He sat down. He wept. He mourned. Couldn't or wouldn't eat. But he prayed. Got a little victory. You know what that feels like. You know what that feels If you don't know what that feels like, you need to do some more praying. Something happens when you pray. You can feel the weight of the world on your shoulders. You can feel the weight of your circumstances pushing your heart so deep down into despair. But when you lift up your eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help, my help cometh from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Something happens, something happens, something happens. He is the lifter, hallelujah, of my head. He will pick me up out of that despair. Hallelujah. He will cause me to rise and take upon the wings of an eagle. Yes, he will. But even when you come out of prayer, don't, don't, don't expect the battle necessarily to be completely over. Because Nehemiah prayed, had a good prayer session. He wept, he mourned, he fasted, he prayed. He had a good talk with Jesus. Just a little talk with Jesus makes everything all right. You feel a little prayer will turn. You know the fire is burning. Just a little talk with Jesus makes everything all right. And Nehemiah goes to work the next morning and he's sad. It's like he didn't even pray. He's still sad. Listen, you can receive direction, you can have resolve, you can have courage, you can, you, can, you can repent, you can give everything over to God and still be sad. He walks into the king's court and he said, never had it happen before. I knew how to put on my game face. I knew how to just adjust my robes, clear my throat, narrow my eyes. Go to work and smile. Everything's good. How you doing? I'm doing good. and feel good. I, I, but not today. Not today. Today I was sad and I couldn't help it. I walked into the king's chamber and I was never sad before that day. But on this day, I was sad and the king noticed. And the king said, why are you sad? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. 
This could mean sadness. It could also mean badness. It could mean that, that there's something eating at you. Something's wrong with you. There's evil in your life. And, and this is why Nehemiah was sore afraid. He said when, this, when he said this, this is sorrow of heart, I was sore afraid. But then he must have gotten bold. Because he was like, well, why shouldn't I be sad? Why shouldn't I be sad? My whole, the whole city of my heritage is utterly destroyed. The city of my father's sepulchers where I have hope. I would love to revisit. I would love to raise my kids there. I would love to live there. There's hope there. Don't you know the prophecies associated with that city? Don't you know what God has promised about that city? Why shouldn't I be sad? And I just feel like I'm preaching to somebody today who knows that emotion of why shouldn't I be sad, preacher? You don't know what I've been through. And you don't know the kind of pain that I've experienced in my life. And you don't understand the trouble that I'm facing right now. Some of it my fault. A lot of it not my fault. So you tell me, why shouldn't I be sad? But the question is, what do you request? What do you want to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Before you answer, pray. God, what should I do about this? God, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? What would you have me do? Where would you have me go? Lead me, Lord. I will follow. Can I teach somebody how to pray? Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debts. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. All right. I know what I'm going to do. If you want me or would allow me, if you would let me, go to Judah. Go to Judah. That's where I need to be. I need to be in Judah. Now those who know what Judah means know where I'm going next. If you don't know what Judah means, Judah is not just a city of olden times. Judah is not just a tribe of Israel. Judah is not just one of these, one of these places that you'll find in the Bible maps in the back of your Bible. But Judah means praise. He said, King, you got to hear what I'm talking about. I know things are bad. The gates are burned with fire. The city is laid waste. Everybody's under reproach everybody's afflicted but I just prayed to God and he gave me direction there's only one thing to do praise ye the Lord my God Woo. hey I'm going to do a mass I'm going to do a mass pastoral counseling session alright I don't have to know what's happened this week, what happened yesterday, or what might happen tomorrow. I can give everybody your next step. Praise him. That's your next step. Praise him. Woo. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him on the loud sounding cymbals. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. Praise him with the stringed instruments. Praise him in the dance. Let everything that hath breath. Praise ye the Lord. You got to go to Judah. If you're going to rebuild anything. You got to go to Judah. If you're going to rebuild those finances, you better praise him. If you're going to rebuild that marriage, you better praise him. If you're going to rebuild that ministry, you better praise him. If you're going to rebuild that faith and that confidence in God, you better praise the Lord. My God. If you don't praise him, 
you'll just go right back to sitting down, weeping, mourning, couldn't or wouldn't eat. And it'll be a vicious cycle. A vicious cycle until you praise him. I don't feel like praising him. That means you should praise him. I'm going to tell you what, you praise, if you just get three or four sentences out, you'll feel like it. Believe that. Lord, you are good. And your mercy endures forever. I thank you, God, for saving my soul. Thank you, God, for making me whole. Thank you, God, for touching my body. Thank you, God, for touching my mind. Thank you, God, for lifting me out of my pit of despair. I better stop or I won't preach. I'll just keep on praising him. It feels good to praise the Lord. Praise him in your living room. Praise him in your car. Praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him. Praise him when you don't have music. Praise him when you do have music. Praise him when the preacher's saying praise him. Praise him when you don't have a preacher there to say praise him. Praise you the Lord. Nehemiah goes up to Judah. When he goes up to Judah, it was a tough deal. Nobody knew what his plan was. Nobody knew why he was there. He shows up. He has a few folks with him. He's on his own beast of burden. And he comes into Jerusalem, comes to Judah. Nobody knows why he's there. What's Nehemiah doing here? Nehemiah is just nonchalantly walking in. But he's in a rebuilding mode, ladies and gentlemen. When you're in a rebuilding mode, you better get ready because you're going to have to encourage yourself in the Lord a lot of times. When you're in a rebuilding mode, you better get ready because this ain't going to be easy. And this definitely isn't going to be fast. But the Bible says that Nehemiah came to Jerusalem, and he was there three days. All I need is three days in Jerusalem. I don't care what report I've got. I don't care who said who was killed, who was destroyed, what was burned with fire, who was under reproach, who was being afflicted. All I need is three days in Jerusalem. Hallelujah. When the Bible talks about three days in Jerusalem, my, 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 my antenna goes up. Because this is what Jesus said. Jesus said, destroy this temple. And you talk about a rebuilding program. You destroy this temple and in three days, I will raise it up. Hallelujah. You go through the Bible. So many things happen in three days, three days, three days, three days. Most specifically, it all revolves around the three days that Jesus spent day and night in the grave. One day is crucifixion and burial. Two days is nothing but rest. That second day was a Sabbath. Nothing happens on the Sabbath in Jerusalem. Nobody moves around. See, that's part of the rebuilding process. you got to get ready for those moments when nothing happens. Nobody moves a muscle. Nobody shows any sign of progress, any sign of improvement. Nothing seems like it's working. Everybody seems asleep. Everybody, nothing, nothing. You tried, you prayed. All you got was whipped yesterday, bruised and wounded for somebody else's transgressions. And now today is nothing but rest. You're all antsy down in the grave, ready to bust out of this thing, ready to do what God called me to do, ready to shoot out of this tomb, ready to roll that stone away. But the second day is a day of rest. It's a day of Sabbath. There are going to be moments in your walk with God where you feel like nothing is improving. It's called rebuilding. You stay where you are. Because the third day is coming. And all I need is three days in Jerusalem. Whoo, glory. Because when the third day comes, oh, hallelujah, that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead shall quicken your mortal body. That same spirit. My God. The first day is when your flesh dies. The first day is when you repent. The first day is when you are crucified with Christ. The first day is when you say, not my will, but thine be done. The second day is the real test. 
because of the lack of mobility that you have and the lack of movement that others are demonstrating and you're just stuck knowing everything that needs to be done. But there's a third day coming. And when that third day comes, the Holy Ghost is going to come down into your dead circumstances and quicken everything that the enemy tried to destroy. Hallelujah. Quicken your heart rate. Quicken your pulse. Quicken your brain waves. Quicken your energy. Quicken your focus. Quick. My God, if that spirit dwell in you that raised Christ from the dead, he shall quicken your mortal body. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Let him do it. Let him do it. Let him raise you up. Let him quicken your family back together. Let him quicken your mind. Back together. Some of you have gone through so much abuse. Some of you have gone through so much trouble. Some of you have gone through so much trauma. Some of you have gone through so much difficulty. But I implore you, believe the word that I preach to you today. God wants to quicken your mortal body and raise you to walk in newness of life. Oh, yes, he does. The Bible says, Nehemiah arose in the night. He said, I and some few men with me, we went throughout the city. Neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do. He hadn't told anybody. He goes around the city at night. You know how scary that had to be? Nobody wants to go walking around the city at night, riding around the city at night. It had to look so depressing, so devastating. Some of you have looked around at your circumstances and all you see is darkness and devastation. You see what the enemy has perpetrated in your life. You even see what decisions you've made that have caused such havoc in your home and in your life. And when you look around at the city, but listen to me, three days in Jerusalem is all you need to be able to assess the damage and know what needs to be done next. Three days in Jerusalem. Death, burial, and resurrection. Can I just break it down? Repentance, baptism in Jesus' name. And receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's all you need to be able to walk around the city and know God has sent me here. God has brought me to this place. I am anointed of the Lord. I'm not going back to sit down, weep, mourn. No, no. No, no. My countenance is no longer downcast. I have my eyes set on the work and the will of God. Nothing, hallelujah, shall prevent me from doing what God has called me to do. Hallelujah. He looked at the city. The gates were burned with fire. The houses were destroyed. Every sacred thing was brought down. And Nehemiah's looking at this thinking, how in the world is this thing ever supposed to live up to the potential of the prophecies surrounding it? This is to be the city of our God. This is to be beautiful for situation. This is to be the city of his holiness. That's who you are supposed to be. You're supposed to be chosen of God. You're not supposed to be depraved. You're not supposed to be sin stuck. You're not supposed to be a fornicator. You're not supposed to be an idolater. You're not supposed to be a hater. You're not supposed to be lascivious. You're not supposed to be proud or envious. That's who you became. But that's not who God sees you to be. God's going to raise up a Nehemiah to put his finger in your face and say, you better know who you are. You are chosen of God and loved, loved, loved of God. Glory. You can walk around and you're like, this doesn't look anything like what he just said. Beautiful for situation. <laughs> the joy of the whole earth. Gates burned with fire. City destroyed. The, 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 the remnant is utterly afflicted and there's reproach upon everybody. This doesn't look like anything Zechariah said about Jerusalem. That Isaiah said about Jerusalem. That David wrote beautiful psalms about Jerusalem. This looks nothing like what the Bible says 
it should be. And you can go, now this is where you can look at it and see your situation. You can go back, sit down, weep and mourn if you want to. But it's rebuilding time. Don't go back, sit down, weep or mourn. Rebuild it. Rebuild it. Rebuild it. Rebuild it. Don't look at that marriage and think it's hopeless. Rebuild it. Don't look at that ministry and think it's hopeless. Rebuild it. Don't look at that life and and think it's hopeless. Rebuild it. Don't look at your child and think they're hopeless. Rebuild it. Don't look at your mind and think it's hopeless. Rebuild it. Hallelujah. So Nehemiah, Nehemiah said, I know what to do. I know what to do. What should I start with? I mean, you might not know where to start, but Nehemiah knew where to start. Before you can reestablish gates, before you can rebuild the houses, before you can hear children singing in the streets of the city, before you can hear the maidens lean out the windows and sing again of the goodness of God, you're going to have to rebuild the walls first. He said, I have to rebuild these walls. That's where it starts. Rebuild the walls. That's where you got to do it. You're not going to hear praise and singing in your home until you rebuild those walls. You know why? Because there are invaders who want access to that holy city. There are enemies aplenty who would love to tear down your marriage, who would love to tear down your mind, who would love to tear down your children. Man of God, woman of God, build those walls. Hallelujah. Can I sound like an old-fashioned preacher? Because that's what I am. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen to me. You can call me exclusive if you want to. There are some things I'm exclusive about. I don't want sin in my home. And I don't want sin in my mind. And I don't want sin in this church. And I, I want sinners to come. But in Jesus' name, there's a power here that's greater than your sin. Can I preach? We got to build walls around our mind. We got to build walls around our homes. We got to build walls and say, no, this is a place dedicated to God. This is a place dedicated to his holiness. This is a place dedicated to his love and his power and his peace. Build those walls. I'm going to tell you, I honestly think if Nehemiah would have started with the houses, he wouldn't have had as many enemies. I think if Nehemiah would have started trying to build up the the mercantile, he wouldn't have had as many enemies. I think if he would have tried to start building the old lumber mill, he probably wouldn't have had as many enemies. But when you try to build walls, I'm going to tell you, every devil in hell will come out and try to destroy what you're accomplishing for God. Because the devil knows if you ever build that wall and establish that wall and teach the people the purpose and the beauty of that wall. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I wish I could preach it like I feel it this morning. The enemy will show up and mock you at every turn. The enemy will show up and say, you're wasting your time. You don't even have the skill to build that kind of wall. At one time, Sanballat and Tobias said, listen, you can't build that wall. if a, You're so unskilled in your labor. If a fox walked on the wall, the wall would come down. I mean, that might sound juvenile, but I'm going to guarantee you that got under Nehemiah's skin. Because you can't tell a man anything trying to build something. I don't care if it's a doghouse, putting a handle on the door. And the spirit of Sanballat and Tobias will get on his wife. There's His wife will say, if a fox tried to turn that knob, the whole thing would come off. That'll get under Nehemiah's skin right now. And, and, And Nehemiah said to the laborers, though, he said, don't listen to them. Keep on building the wall. 
They yelled up, come on down from the wall. Nehemiah said, we're not coming down from the wall. I don't care what you're serving. We're not coming down from the wall. I don't care how bad I want it. We're not coming down from the wall. I don't care what temptation you offer or what insult you hurl. You're not distracting me from rebuilding this city, from rebuilding what God has promised. Their juvenile insults quickly, quickly turned sinister and became actual threats of physical violence. They said, if you don't come down, we will come up there and bring you down. And Nehemiah looked at his workers and he said, all right, hold a weapon in one hand and a tool in the other. Come on, ambidextrous saint of God. My God, have mercy. You better learn how to work and fight at the same time. Glory. I said, you better learn how to work at your job and fight the devil at the same time. You better learn how to sit down, type on a computer, and rebuke every ungodly spirit. Come on, ladies and gentlemen. You better learn how to go nine to five and then come home and put a covering over your family. Because this wall is going up and it's not coming down. I said this wall is going up and it's not coming down. Lust, you will never invade this city again. Pride, you'll never invade this city again. Rebellion, you'll never invade this city again. I'm rebuilding what the devil tried to destroy. God, my God, my God, have mercy. The Bible says, the Bible teaches us that a man, a man without a controlled spirit is like a city without walls. You know the walls you need to build are the walls around your spirit. You don't got to build walls about every, around everybody else's spirit. You build walls around your spirit. I won't watch that. I won't go there. I'm not hanging out with them. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not opening myself up to that any longer. I'm not saying be judgmental. I rebuke every holier-than-thou spirit in Jesus' name. I'm talking about getting control of your spirit through the power of the Holy Ghost. Because if you don't have control over your spirit, you're like a city without walls. And every invader can come from every which direction. And you can build whatever temple you want to build. If you don't have walls around your spirit, that temple will be short-lived. You can build whatever lumber mill you want to build. You can build whatever mercantile, whatever candy store. You can build whatever neighborhood cul-de-sac you want to build. But if you don't have walls around your spirit, your marriage won't last. Your ministry won't last. that wall around your spirit in Jesus name Jesus be a fence all around me every day Jesus be a fence all around me every day I'm going to tell you if you build that wall in prayer God will protect that wall if you build that wall in prayer God hallelujah will be a wall of fire around you let me, just, let me just, before I close, let me just talk about that for a moment. Because Nehemiah built the wall. But God said through the prophet Zechariah that I won't just be a wall. I see what you did. You built walls. That's good. But I will be a wall of fire. Now they call it, in the Old Testament, they called it wall of fire. Today we call it fire wall. You can, build, you can build a wall around your house and you can keep out maybe burglars. But you know there are some thieves that don't even bother coming to your house anymore. 
They come in through all kinds of different avenues. We're living in a new age. There are cyber threats. And the enemy comes at you through, 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 the, through Wi-Fi. Figuring everything out about you. Getting your birthday, your social security, all of a sudden you're buying stuff in Nebraska. You don't even know how, what, wait, what? But God said, I will be a wall of fire. I'll be a firewall. Hallelujah about you. And listen, in 2017, I can't build enough physical walls to keep out ungodly spirits. I can't build enough natural walls to keep every devil at bay. But I can go down on my knees and pray. I can call upon my God. And he will be a wall of fire around my children. A wall of fire around my marriage. A wall of fire around our congregation. A wall of fire. Ah, hallelujah. I'm preaching and reaching for somebody this morning who feels like things are too devastated for you to ever see the promises of God come to pass. But I've come to tell you, stop weeping, stop mourning. Get up. Rebuild it. Lift up your hands to the Lord right now. Lift up your hands right now. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel your presence, holy God. I feel your presence, holy God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, if your life has been in shambles, welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. You're not alone in this house. We are here because God brought us out. We are here because he reached way down and lifted us up out of our circumstances. Gave us love. Gave us favor. Showed us mercy. And healed our lives. What he's done for others, he can do for you. Could you stand with me right now in the presence of God? Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Lift up your hands. Would you, would you do that? Lift up your hands to the Lord. Could you do that? Just lift up your hands all across this building. I thank you, Jesus. Come on, the first thing we're going to do is go up to Judah. Can everybody just go up to Judah right now? I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. Could you do that right now? I feel like there's some people who are dealing with some invaders in your home, some invaders in your spirit. You have no control over your spirit. You fly off the handle. You're angry about everything. You fall to every temptation that comes your way. You're not sure what to do. You're not sure where to go. I'm here to tell you the first thing to do is lift up your hands. Say, Lord, I need you right now. Lord, I need you right now. And I know you're my God. I know you're my Savior. I need you right now. Go ahead, all across this building. Could every one of us just do what Nehemiah did and repent? Could we do that? God, forgive me. I have transgressed your commandments. I have transgressed your statutes. Come on. I, I don't, if, you don't, if you don't think you need to repent, then you're the first one I'm talking to. If you think that you've been so holy that, that you don't even need mercy from God, you're the first one I'm talking to. Oh, God, forgive me. Oh, God, forgive me. All across this building, let's do what Nehemiah did. God, forgive me, I've transgressed. Forgive me, I've transgressed. Forgive me, I've transgressed. Come on, everybody, lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. Lift up your voice and repent unto the Lord. Forgive me, Lord, I have turned my back. Forgive me, God, for turning my back on your statutes, your judgments, your commandments. Can you do it? Can you do it? Can you do it? Can you clean out your heart before God right now? Can we have just a couple minutes here where we, where we make some things right with God? Can you clean out your heart before the Lord this morning? Lord, I really need you. If you're having trouble, do it. Let me, let the preacher, let the preacher be the first one. God, forgive me of every sin. Forgive me of my sinful heart. Forgive me for I have transgressed before you, God, every commandment, every statute, every judgment that I have transgressed. Lord, cleanse me, wash me, purify my heart, my mind, oh God.
in the name of Jesus, I want to be clean before you, oh God. I want to be clean before you, oh God. I feel like the Holy Ghost is pulling on somebody's heart right now. Hallelujah. Would somebody come? Please come. Please come. This is, this is we call this the altar call. Don't let this moment pass. Things happen at the altar that are beautiful and life-changing. I've seen addictions healed at altars. I've seen it. I've seen sins forgiven at altars. God bless you, my brother. Come on, somebody else, somebody else. I don't know what you're facing or what needs to be rebuilt in your life. I don't know if it's a prayer life that the devil tried to destroy. I don't know if it was your peace he's trying to destroy. But whatever the devil's trying to destroy, God wants to rebuild it this morning. As the singers sing and the praisers praise, I want somebody else to come forward right now and say, God, I need you today. I need you today. I need you. I need you. I need you. I need you, Lord. I need Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. 